Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grant McCarran, and this episode, we're going to be talking sustainable e-commerce packaging. And as ever, I am joined by Lindy Hewson, the managing editor and publisher of PKN Packaging News. Lindy, how are you going today? Very well, Grant, and happy to be talking about this topic. E-commerce packaging is touching all of our lives, um, especially this year. Um, Our online shopping has uh, gone up exponentially um, for many households. And uh, one of the problems that that is bringing is uh, more plastic into our household um, as a result of sometimes extra packaging that comes along with the online shopping purchases that we're making. So today we want to talk about how we can do that kind of packaging better. And we're speaking to Kate Bizar, who is the co-founder and director of a company called The Better Packaging Company, very aptly named. And we're going to find out more about some of the e-commerce solutions that her company has developed. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Lindy. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's it's really good to have you all the way from New Zealand, um, Auckland, speaking to us today. Uh, Kate, can you tell us a little bit about how your company was, how, how it came about, how it was founded, and why? Well, I... The Better Packaging Company was co-founded by myself and uh, Bex Pekaski, who is a great friend and uh, was a work colleague at the time. We'd worked together in a business that uh, was related to the e-commerce industry, somewhat indirectly, so the back end of e-commerce. And it was during our work there that we just saw the extraordinary rise of e-commerce and at one point, Bex was actually prompted by her young daughter at that stage who was switching off light switches in order to try to save the planet from global warming. Uh, And she just, you know, was just so struck by the fact that this five-year-old at that stage was so concerned and trying to do her part, but other than, you know, buying refillables and and shopping at Whole Foods stores, she wasn't doing, you know, so much, especially in her working life. So um, she, she jotted down a few ideas, and one of them was, could there be a more sustainable career satchel? And she came to me with the idea, knowing that I was similarly inclined. Um, you know, we, we were both, um, you know, cared a lot about uh, the environment. Actually, I say, you know, that Bex wasn't doing a lot, but she was always that that mother who had the, you know, the reusable nappies, and you know, we're both, you know, avid composters. And and I just jumped at the idea. I could immediately see the appeal and the potential impact. Uh, but it, it was a long time before we actually found a solution. We didn't set out to develop a compostable solution. We just wanted to find something that was better than a single-use PE, fairly heavy-duty plastic mailer satchel. Uh, and so we explored a whole lot of different things before finding this particular material that we've then got on to develop into a, into a mailer um, that is certified home compostable. Can you tell me a little bit more about the satchel material and where you found it and, and what it actually comprises of? So it's a material that had been used prior to this to make um, sort of T-shirt bags, carry bags and things like that, uh, and, and even produce bags, but no one had actually really made it much thicker and more durable. And then there's a whole lot of other things that go into making a courier satchel. You know, labels have to stick, seams have to be strong enough, um, seals have to be great. Uh, and it's a material that is made 
um, partly from plants, which adds to its sustainability cred um, because it's made from cornstarch, which is literally the stuff that you find in your pantry and is made from corn, 100%. Um, it's made from another component called PLA that gives it um, sort of its toughness and its durability, and that is derived from plant sugars, mostly corn again. And then there is a component to it that is derived from petroleum. So that's not renewable. It is something we're working on. But at the moment, it's the only thing of its type out there at the moment that can give the bag its flex. But ironically, it's also what helps it biodegrade really fast. So it's um, it's actually a really neat piece of chemistry where instead of taking petroleum and making it into something that lasts for hundreds of years through a chemical process, which is your traditional plastic, um, you can take petroleum and engineer it so it breaks down into, you know, completely non-toxic elements uh, really comparatively quickly. I'm assuming then that you, um, you've you had it tested and verified as biodegradable? Absolutely. The, the certification process um, is extremely important to us uh, and this material meets the, it meets a number of global certifications, but the one that we love and that we sort of shout from the rooftops about is the Australasian standard. Uh, it's run by, it's monitored by the Australian Bioplastics Association. Uh, it's extremely stringent um, and the products have to uh, degrade in a home composting environment within 180 days into almost nothing and leave no toxic elements behind to meet that certification. And we love that certification in particular because it also checks for worm toxicity. Um, some of the others do not. Okay, so now I'm, I've received the satchel and I'm now, I don't have a home cost, composting system at home. Is it now my, I mustn't put this into the flexible recycling systems that we're trying to set up here because it's biodegradable. I have to put this into landfill because it's going to biodegrade there. Yeah, or you may have a, you may be um, picking up food waste, or composting food waste at work. So, for example, a lot of workplaces uh, here now are collecting food waste in a bin that collect, gets collected every week. Your local food court might be have compostable packaging and a nice sort of closed loop system there. You could pop it in the bin there. Otherwise, yes, it should go to landfill. Or you'll see on our latest the newest packaging that we're producing and everything from now on, uh, we have set up a collection network. It's predominantly in New Zealand at the moment. And we're rolling it out across Australia and hopefully globally as well. Uh, so it's a network of places um, that you can access through an app uh, where you can take your the packaging you've received and it will be will make sure it gets to the right place and is actually composted. And the kind of collection points on that are cafes and the like, but it's also a lot of our retailers and the companies who are using our packaging. Uh, for example, we've got a large courier company in New Zealand, uh, Aramex, who are using our packaging. And you can take our packaging back to any Aramex depot or even give it to a driver and they'll take it back and make sure that it is composted. So that's, that's really important to us, that piece. So I'm assuming that that is all very clearly indicated on the packaging itself? Yes, it's, um, it tells you to go to becollected.org. B, just, it's just the B, no B-E. And, and, and once you go there, it immediately launches a map and it'll say, you know, you can see the, you know, the five nearest places to you and, um, yeah, make it part of your coffee room. What we'll do is we will include that uh, website in our show notes and also, um, what is the what is the app called that people can download? Well, if you go to becollected.org, it immediately it opens what's effectively an app. Okay, 
All right. So you mentioned there that you've been, you've established these collection points mainly in New Zealand, but that you're looking to rolling them out in other parts of the world. So, which indicates to me that um, since you you first started your company, you've now expanded globally. Tell me a little bit about how you've expanded globally and, and what those operations entail. <laughs> Probably not very well. Uh, we just we felt from the very beginning that we just couldn't say no to anyone. You know, if someone wanted this packaging in Bolivia, it's like, blim and heck, we're going to find a way to get it to them. Uh, so from day dot, we've, we've sold internationally. Uh, and then gradually, as a particular market has developed enough scale, we've established a warehouse and distribution center in that market. So we now have five of those around the world. And that helps reduce the carbon footprint. You know, you're sending packaging on bulk to one location, usually by sea, and from there, it, you know, it, that last mile of shipping is, it doesn't have such a as big an impact. So we have warehouses in uh, Australia, New Zealand. We have one in China that services um, a lot of Asia and South America. We have one in North America, and we have one in Europe. So, yeah, we, we literally can sell to anyone anywhere, which is really neat. And recently, Kate, um, you tied up with a company called, or you partnered with a company called Seco Logistics. Tell me how that came about and what that means to your business. Well, I think what's wonderful about this partnership, and, I, and I, it's, it's fairly indicative of how we've grown, almost this, yeah, this sort of second wave of our growth, is that customers are demanding better solutions. Now, from Seco's perspective, they are a large um, large distribution, third-party logistics provider, and a lot of their brands, the companies that they're distributing for, were wanting a more sustainable solution. So they've come to us, and we are their preferred provider of compostable, well, sustainable packaging, uh, and they can now offer that to their customers, which is really neat. So, um, Kate, what I'd like to do now is just turn to some stats that have come out of the Australia Post 2020 e-commerce report. Australia, I think Australia Post does this every year. They've been doing it for the last five to six years. And this year they've managed to integrate into their report the impact of COVID-19. And I thought some of it was quite interesting. In 2019, Australia Post predicted that 12% of total retail would be shopping online by 2021. But given what they call the seismic shift that was brought about by the pandemic, that 12% of total retail figure was achieved by March 2020. And Christine Holgate, the CEO of Australia Post, said a year's worth of change was, in, was witnessed in a couple of weeks during the pandemic. And they saw that the total number um, of consumers shopping online in Australia was up 31% year on year in April to 5.2 million people within Australian households. And the national average in 2019 was 17.2%. For the year ending 30th of April 2020, online purchases were up 41% year on year. I wondered if in the New Zealand market and just generally in your business, because you do serve other markets, you had noticed um, an impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, absolutely. In fact, Australia is by far our biggest market. Australia accounts for at least 70% of our sales. So those numbers are absolutely driving our business. Uh, we didn't see it in New Zealand quite so much because online shopping during COVID was restricted to what was termed essential items only. Uh, however, when as soon as those restrictions were lifted, um, you know, online sales 
shot up through the roof or people had ordered online but had to wait for their order to be shipped for a long time. So we did see this huge flurry of activity and, yeah, no, it, it is absolutely driving sales. What we've seen is we've seen some of our larger customers move away from purchasing or investing in branded packaging initially. Uh, because they didn't know what the impact of COVID was going to have on their businesses. Um, however, all those discussions have come back online really fast as they realized that, in fact, it wasn't going to decimate their business. It was just going to shift their business, particularly in fashion and retail. Those statistics are even higher, I believe, um, for fashion, the percentage of their business that's shifted online. Okay, so if you, I mean, you mentioned there um, your customers – and the branded packaging aspect. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that um, before we come back to having a look at which sectors are performing really well. So the ability for customers, like big brands particularly, but all size of brands, I'm guessing, to be able to brand those satchels that are going out there, that was something that you had in your offer early on. And I remember talking to you before and you mentioned that Ahead of COVID at that time, uh, brands were really looking at that because it was an important way that they could remind the consumer which brand they were purchasing and just reinforce that brand. COVID then came along, as you've just mentioned, and perhaps they were a little uncertain, so they pulled back. And now you're saying that, that there's an uptick in their interest in branding packaging again? Absolutely. I think without that retail experience wrapping around a brand, so, you know, many brands are doing all they can to bring a brand experience to that online shopping experience. And part of that is in, in putting their brand on packaging. So we do absolutely offer that. The, the MOQs are still relatively high. So it does tend to be the, the higher end of town that is able to to warrant that. Um, that said, we've also had some really large customers move away from branded packaging because they don't want packages to be identifiable. Um, they were finding them that they were getting pinched. Uh, so there is something about the anonymity of a generic brand or own brand, if you want to call our better packaging range that, that is also of appeal to, to some brands. Yeah, it's a real trade-off. Yeah, you're catering to two, two different needs there. Um, I did note that in the Australia Post report, they did say that in, that uh, consumers are increasingly conscious of the social impacts of their purchases um, so they're supporting local and regional businesses. There was a big uptick in that post, in, especially in Australia, post the bushfires, um, trying to help local and regional economies recover. Would that be true in, in your business? Have you, have you seen that? Well, we cater to everyone from, you know, really small businesses, you know, someone who might just be selling on eBay or on Etsy, right through to, you know, customers who are doing tens of thousands of orders a day. But I do think that middle bracket, the SME bracket, is really, really strong. And that's, that is being fueled by that desire for people to support, you know, as you said, local businesses and businesses that they feel are employing locals and are sourcing locally, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about um, the categories of product that are typically bought online. We, we did note earlier that fashion was a big one. And so... What are the major categories and what products have you developed to service those categories? I'm not really sure why we've always had quite a strong fashion slant to our business, um, but that was definitely where we were picked up initially and just through word of mouth, really, or word of social media. Uh, that's, that's how we've grown. But, you know, also homewares, 
stationary, sustainable household goods. You know, your, your beeswax wraps, your stainless steel lunch boxes. You know, there's, there's a, a really large and growing market there. Uh, we have a, uh, a sustainable chemist chain using our packaging. It's all sorts. It really is. So tell me a bit about those products. Oh, those, so those in terms of products, you know, it, it often starts for a, a one of our, our customers with the career satchel. So they'll start there. It's a really obvious, quick and easy way that they can um, remove plastic from their supply chain. And then they'll work backwards. And that's also how we've worked as a business. So we brought out the courier satchels first. And then as our customers have expressed interest or demand for, you know, other potential products, we've looked into them and developed them. So after our courier satchels came our poly bags, which are also home compostable. And that's just a transparent garment bag. Uh, then we moved to more protective packaging, so bubble bags and sort of almost a, a bubble pockets that you can put into satchels. Labels were a big one that we'd almost been working on from day dot, to be honest, because we always wanted the entire package to be compostable. But until we could bring out a certified label, uh, we you know, they weren't. You had to peel the plastic label off before putting it in the compost. And, you know, there's been some really obvious other things. Um, pallet wrap is a, a massive thing for Beck and I. It's just a bugbear. <laughs> you know, we just hate seeing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of metres of plastic wrapped around a pallet. Um, so when we could bring out pallet wrap, we immediately did. Um, what else are we doing? We've done. We've recently launched compostable gloves, um, disposable gloves. Well, you know, you can use them a couple of times. And the ideal application for that is food service because when something gets contaminated with food, the best end-of-life solution for it, almost the only one apart from landfill, is composting. There's just no recycling infrastructure at all for that, yeah. Okay, so that's... That's a separate uh, little little side yeah. side business to the core business. Then, um, and sometimes that's what that's how businesses grow, and then they suddenly find themselves with a whole other vertical. Um, so, one of the other things that came out of the COVID report was that regionally and locally there was this uptick, but obviously the disruption of global supply change chains rather and the congestion of trade lanes um did impact businesses did that did you find that that also affected your business there was no area of our business that was not impacted by covid that so that's absolutely you know from from staff through to communications um and absolutely our supply chain so um some of our product is, is manufactured in china and so you know they shut down they went into lockdown before the rest of the world, obviously, so our production stopped. Uh, and then we had flow-on effects from that. And now what's still happening is, yes, that congestion at ports because of social distancing and safety requirements. And so what we're finding is that, you know, our, yeah, our supply chain has blown out by sort of almost 30% in terms of duration. And so we're having to hold a lot more inventory. And, yeah, it's just it's, it's so interesting how these impacts do flow down through a business. You know, that, that obviously impacts cash flow and all sorts of things. And for a number of businesses, COVID has thrown up so many challenges and businesses have had to work quickly, nimbly, make sudden changes to the way they operate. And sometimes those changes are actually end up being for the better of the business. Um, do you find that that came true for you? Absolutely. I, I think it, it really did um, 
First, it gave us, at least initially, a little bit of breathing space to spend a little bit of time working on the business rather than in the business because in those first couple of weeks, demand really did drop off before it then kind of skyrocketed. So we did some things, you know, we got our B B Corp certification and we also looked at diversifying our customer base. We were very worried initially that fashion would be hit very hard by this, that people's discretionary spending would be cut. Um, so we were sort of scrambling to find, you know, diversify our customer base. And in the long run, that is only going to be a great thing. Uh, we've also looked at diversifying our, our product base. So the, the compostable gloves that I mentioned are, are part of that process. You know, just making sure that all your eggs aren't in, in one basket. We've looked at alternative sources of production that again will just make the company stronger. Uh, so in, in all these aspects, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a blessing in disguise. Yeah, sometimes necessity, the mother of invention, hmm. <laughs> um, does bring about positive change that we hadn't even anticipated. So, for example, in our own business, we're now doing videos and podcasts that we weren't doing before. Um, and so, yeah, that is, that is positive change, certainly. So as we bring this uh, story to a close today, um, I'm really interested in what your next steps are, Kate. Well, I have mentioned the Collection Network and product stewardship is incredibly important to us and we are super conscious that not everyone does have access to a home compost. So while we are making compostable packaging, and that does seem to be what we are doing, you know, it's really important to us to provide potential end-of-life solutions, responsible end-of-life solutions for that to as many people as we can. So in, that's, a, that's a big thing. That, it's a big focus for the rest of this year and next. Um, it's kind of gone on hold because of COVID a little bit because we don't necessarily want to be encouraging people to visit places, retailers, et cetera, if they don't have to. But it is something that we're keen to, to ramp up and really take globally in the next 12 months or so. Uh, Product-wise, we've got some neat new products coming out, variations of our courier satchels that just mean that they can be reused a number more times. And again, you know, every time you can reuse something, that means that the carbon footprint of its production is halved on a per-use basis. And so that's, um, that's really neat too. We're just, and we're really just trying to lead by example, trying to push the what is a relatively new industry to be as um, accountable and as responsible as possible. Uh, we want to set the, the bar as high as we can so that those following us uh, have got no excuses for cutting corners. Well, that's, I think, is a great note to end on being accountable, making an industry accountable, um, being responsible, and leading by example, which you certainly are doing, Kate. And I look forward to chatting to you more um, in our upcoming Women in Packaging event um, that will possibly have happened by the time this recording plays. But um, nonetheless, we'll hear more about your passion and purpose at that event on the 28th of October. So thank you very much for joining us all the way from Auckland today. Thanks, Lindy. And look, looking forward to my next online delivery. <laughs> Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you in your letterbox. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll be back with more exciting uh, audio for you in the not too distant future. Thank you. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. 
The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.